à noite, era quase meio-dia. Bienvenidos a Radio Menayal. My name is Veroyeti Flores. And I'm Miriam Soila Perez, and we are two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. Each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love, and this week it is the very end of Women's History Month, and we wanted to focus on trans women artists because many reasons. There's lots of trans women who are making really incredible music in Latin America and the diaspora these days, but also there's been so many like heinous attacks mm -hmm. on trans folks these days that we wanted to be like, listen, like on Women's History Month, we're celebrating trans women. So Yeah, yeah. No room for turfiness and no room for anti-trans hate on this show. Absolutely not. What are we listening to, Perez? You picked this one. Yeah, so this is a song by Linda Quebrada, which we, who we've talked about before on the show, but it's been a minute. Um, this song is called Amor, Amor, Amor. Let's take another listen. Yeah, so this is the third time um, we're bringing Linda to the show. Um, Vero brought her two other times. So you've heard about her, but maybe not as much as some of the other artists that we're going to talk about today. Um, so she is Brazilian. Born in 1990. Um, one interesting fact I learned about her today is that she was raised in a Jehovah's Witness family, um, which yeah. I really like. Want. Do you, did you know that, Beto? I only knew that I, when I was looking today. I was, yeah. When we first started splitting this up, we decided <laughs> yeah. that I was going to look into Linda Quebrada, but then Perez did some research, but like I've done a <laughs> little accident. bit already. So I was <laughs> yeah. like, you can do it. Thank you. Um, but I, I had seen there that she was yeah. in a Jehovah's Witness family, which, my God. I know. it's That's a really difficult situation for a lot of reasons. And I it, I didn't find anything about her current relation with her family, but my understanding of mm -hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses is you get shunned um, for many, many reasons, including being gay and being trans. Oof. So yeah. it's a very, yeah. like, abrupt and, like, you know, severe um, ex sort of exiling that happens for um, people in that community. So... Uh, but clearly she um, has gone a different direction with her life and she, you know, first became known um, for a song that she released in 2016 called Envia de Sed. Um, and that kind of started people knowing her and knowing her career. So, you know, it's interesting because this song to me, this is from her newest album, which was released in 2021. Um, and it has a very different sound than some of her older mm -hmm. music. What did you think, Vero, about that contrast? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it. I love to see artists evolve and mm -hmm. explore different sides of themselves. You know, like as a person, I think of like myself as a person who loves music, but doesn't make music. And like all of like the wide variety of music that I draw inspiration from and that I love. And I just can imagine that most of these artists like are also in a similar position. And I love to see um, an artist being unafraid of doing mm -hmm. something completely different than what they have been doing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is cool to see that evolution. So um, we're in the member segment, we're going to bring one of her older songs that kind of demonstrates this like more funk centered and like, honestly, kind of just like angrier sound that she had like more fierce more intense sound um than what this to me is like a little softer or more melodic but yeah i think it's beautiful to see people evolve um and this song is about is about love and about a little bit about identity the last line is i loved in english it's a it's song is in portuguese um so i looked up the translation because i don't speak portuguese um and they translated as i loved i wasn't loved today i know my worth so like a sweet message um, her work has been very political historically, like her songs, her lyrics, like she's very grounded in the like LGBTQ community in Brazil. Um, her first album, which is called 
Pujaba was released in 2017. And the name of that, um, according to this Remesco article that I read, um, which interviews with her, actually refers to a secret language created by Brazilian queers um, and trans folks that's really influenced by West African Yoruba. Had you heard of that, Vero, or did you know that anecdote? Yeah, yeah, I had. Um, I thought I, that was really cool. Yeah, it's really, really dope. Mm-hmm. It also maybe points to like the difficulty of being queer and trans in Brazil, that you have to have like a secret language to communicate. I mean, I don't, that yeah. might not be why, but we do know that like, especially for trans women, Brazil, there's like really, really high rates of homicides um, against trans people. So it's a really difficult place to be. I mean, as many places in the world are, but Brazil yeah, also just generally has think. a very um, high murder rate overall. Yeah. That makes me think of like all of the ways that we signal to each other, you know, like maybe we don't have yeah. like a secret spoken language, but we do have many codes and, um, you know, I don't, you know, as it becomes less and less important to communicate in an underground way, we might be losing that as queer folks, but, um, you know, and that's a loss, but also like you've gained the right to communicate openly, right. so that's great. <laughs> right. Um, right. but it, it, it's, it makes me think about all this, you know, like little ways, like whether it be mm-hmm. like the hanky code or, right. um, you know, like just like coded ways of dress and like uh-huh. all the secret languages mm-hmm. that we have that maybe aren't spoken, mm-hmm. um, or maybe are spoken, right? Like I remember when I first started hearing straight people say things like spilling tea or like, uh-huh. <laughs> you yeah. know, like all these ways that like all these like, um, queer linguistic you know and specifically pretty much like black and latinx queer um linguistic things that i was like how are they how are the straights learning about (laughs) i had no idea and then at some point i realized it was rupaul's drag race drag race i was like oh got it got Mm got it yeah 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 Yeah, no it's a really good point there's a um a documentary that i'll put a link in the show notes because it's available online by this amazing Latinx trans filmmaker called The Whistle. And it's about his experience growing up in Albuquerque, New Mexico in like the 80s. Wow. And there was like literally a whistle that members of the queer community, particularly like female assigned people would use to like kind of uh, make make each other visible to each other. Yeah, it's a really wow. sweet I would have been shit out of luck because I can't whistle and I'm <laughs> devastated about that fact. So at least I at figured least something it out. was not my community then because I would have been like um, doubly invisibilized maybe. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's Imagine. kind of incredible. Yeah. Um, and then what you were just saying about like, uh, you know, these are like English language queer um, words and phrases you know, it just is making me think about like the fact that oftentimes queerness is seen as like white or associated with whiteness. But then really when you look at like this example in her album, uh, the album title, like that's a, it's a secret language that's based somewhat in Yoruba, a black language, right? So like clearly it's yeah. being created by people with proximity to blackness and black folks. And then, you you know, the, the language we're talking about spilling the tea and all this stuff, that's all very also right. similar to like African-American vernacular and, you know, black English and stuff. So it's yeah. just such a myth that like people try to purport to like, especially sometimes communities of color try to say like, oh, that's white shit. And it's like, no, actually. Yeah. And a then lot of this culture more comes over, from Yeah. And then moreover, like there's this idea that in like the global South, like East Africa or West Africa or anywhere like in the global South are more homophobic <laughs> or you know, like somehow worse places to be for queer people and the instances that they are, like, for example, like this law that just passed in Uganda, which is such a scary uh, law that like does really punitive um, sort of jail sentences and death sentences for um, people who are like found to like have like, you know, quote unquote engaged in homophobic acts or what any number of of like proximity to um, queerness and uh, that was financed by like the white Christian right in the United States, you know what I mean? So it's like more often than not the, like a lot of homophobia is the result of colonization in places in the global South where indigenous cultures um, might have already had, you know, like, genders that are outside that existed outside of the gender binary or 
um, you know, like different relationships to queerness, et cetera, that looked, you know, different ways than what they look like now here in the United States, but, you know, different relationships that were to queerness or things that we would identify today as, as queerness or transness, um, but that were all affected during colonization and like con- that's still mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, it's just like really fucked up, like Columbusing 2.0 or something, or like the origins. I don't know. It's like you, you erase mm-hmm. something, like colonialism or erases something, and then, um, you know, it's associated with whiteness, and then right. people are, you know, it's just like I don't know. I'm not describing it well, but there's just this like very gross loop that happens, right? And sometimes it gets appropriated and, and seen as good when it's among white people, and then sometimes it's further criminalized like this Uganda mm-hmm. stuff and there's a big connection mm-hmm. to whiteness and to religion yeah and to like colonialism Ugh. it's a mess and I don't know when I was prepping for this episode I was like like trans people are here like you can do a lot of damage a lot of damage with laws and policing and taking away people's hormones but like you can't actually like I feel like it's too far gone at this point like Maybe that's my hopefulness, but like that we've gone too far, like the prominence, Mm. the fact that, you know, these trans women artists have mainstream success despite being trans women, you know, like, like I just, to me, it feels like we passed a tipping point or maybe I hope that we have that they're trying so hard to kind of like stop or reverse, but I don't think they're going to succeed is my hope. Lord, I hope you're right. I mean, it's so scary because we, um, I don't know. It's this thing that I feel like it's the double-edged sword of visibility, right? I think that once, um, you know, like trans people become like really visible force, like invisibility is so awful, but then visibility is this like double-edged sword where like policing and and backlash are um, just a result of some of that. Yeah. And it's so devastating to see like so much of like the apparatus of the right now turned towards this. It's I know. disgusting and I know. Um, regressive and it's so harmful. It's really harmful. Yeah. And it's like what we said would happen. You know, It's like, yeah, this is what happens. Yeah. Oh, God. It's like I remember I wrote a piece. I wrote an article in like 2007. Um called Queering Reproductive Justice. And it was in response to an article that some white gay man had written in some gay publication about like, why should we be, why should gays care about abortion rights? It was like, oh I don't know. I God. think it was like the partial birth abortion stuff, like some really now yeah. seems like so archaic, you know, Bush era, whatever. And I was like, this is why, you know, I was like, there's so many reasons why you're so dumb, you know, like it's such a narrow view he had, but um, yeah, but this is also why it's like, this is the shit that comes next, you know? And I don't think that man cares. That particular man would give a shit about attacks on trans people, unfortunately. But like, you know, it's like, all right, they've like succeeded on abortion on so many levels. Now they're looking for the next like red herring that they can focus on, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And it's so, uh, to me, they're so obviously connected, right? It's just like, look at, like think for two seconds about bodily autonomy and tell me those things aren't connected. Come on now so silly i know yeah yeah i mean i think that connection has been made so clear now among the left at least you know in progressive circles yeah. like we don't debate it anymore but it, you know it was only like 15 years ago where people were like Ooh, right right it was there's a only connection recently <laughs> yeah. that like i mean you and i were like on the fucking vanguard of that like i know we were ago, i know, know? it's just like know. y'all this is proud. the same struggle <laughs> I feel you proud. Know? It's like, yes, bisexual people yeah. exist. Yes, sexual assault exists. Yes, body autonomy matters. Like, you know, all these different Lord, things. Lord, it's I so know. wild. I know. I know. It's wild to have to but, sort of make that um, that kind of a, have to make that kind of an argument. Argument. But it seems so obvious to some yeah. of us at the time. Right. And that was the narrow when, like, the LGBT, like, mainstream advocacy world was really focused on marriage. You know, like, that was their focus. So... They didn't want anything that was going to, like, you know, lose favor, I think, for that issue, which is a very conservative issue at the end of the day. And they won marriage, you know, and now now look. 
Yeah, now so. all those rich gays can like have a thing that they, you know, like their little Protect wealth, their wealth accumulation yep. that they wanted, and now they've bounced. Yep. Some of them are log cabin Republicans now. Yep. Maybe if they came for their ability to like have surrogates, have their babies, they would care. You know, it's like what? Mm, what do we have to get to? You know, but then they'll just yeah. like, they just go abroad, which is what they do anyway now. Like a lot of people work with surrogates out of the country. Anyway, mm-hmm. I want this episode. If we can manage it to be like more of like a celebration and like uplifting these amazing artists because yeah, there's so much um, to be freaked out about. And like, you know, these, these women, like particularly like the, the two women from Brazil, like, and in Puerto Rico too, like the context in which they are living and, and working and thriving and surviving is like, I think even worse than like what a lot of us could imagine in terms of, well, I don't know. I guess I don't want to say that Brazil is worse. I don't actually know. Cause the U S is not, particularly fucking good for trans people so no it's not a safe place um, to be here either but yeah yeah, i i think that you i love that sort of like you know gathering of us because like so much of what uh these women have to offer is super joyful and Mm -hmm. beautiful and sunny and it is so dope to see you know that even in the context of like really difficult conditions there's always joy and there's always resistance and yeah and great music right and culture is a is a vanguard right like culture mm-hmm. music like theater like is often a place where that is ahead of sort of the mainstream and i think we see that with the acceptance of trans women in in certain cultural spaces so the other interesting thing about linda which i don't know if you knew this Veto, but she has like a whole tv kind of career that she's um developing she was mm, on no yeah she was a contestant on big brother brazil which like i didn't even oh know my goodness big brother was like still a popular thing but apparently it's actually pretty popular and particularly in brazil so you know she faced some transphobia but it was interesting i like read through sort of like a uh an article that was like outlining all the sort of somewhat transphobic things that happened and a lot of it was like oh this person misgendered her but then they like apologized later you know it was like actually quite I think mild yeah. in some ways to what okay. you might imagine people would have experienced in a different era. Yeah. Um, but still, and then, and then people like fans really came to support her and they were like hashtag supporting her and all this stuff. So, um, and then oh, she's that's on, great. she's on some sort of dance show now. I don't, cause I don't speak Portuguese. I couldn't exactly figure out what it was, but it looks like a dance team show as far as I can tell. So there's like videos of her as part of like a dance crew, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of years ago, she was on the Vogue, cover of Vogue Brazil with our next artist, who's also a trans woman. So, you know, just like, I don't know, she's out here in culture doing her thing, and I'm excited to see it. Yeah, that's great. So tell us about her Vogue Brazil cover star, fellow cover star. So her Vogue Brazil fellow cover star is Lineker, who we've brought a couple of times, mostly from her music before her solo project. But this is one of her songs from her latest album, which came out in 2021. Um, And it is after she went solo. It's called Baby 95. Let's take a listen. Sou com sol Fizemos a praia no quintal de casa Tudo muito aceso In our body in the sun We kiss it slow and softly A areia espelhou
also born in Brazil. She was born in Aracara and um, she first came to my attention, like I said, as a part of her, you know, like band, Lineker, Els Caramelos. Um, they, you know, did Brazilian soul. And one thing that I learned about her uh, researching for this episode is that apparently Linda Quebrada helped um, usher her transition. Aww. So she'd already been like, you know, fucking with gender for a long time and her mother was supportive. Um, but she came out as trans with the support of her friend in 2014. So I thought that that was really sweet. Um, and it, like, it's, you know, not super surprising to me then that in 2015 is when she would form this band where she, um, you know, first found success. And I, I don't know, there's something that is really special about being true to yourself that like in creative pursuits, does something that nothing else can do so uh i i was really heartened to learn that mm. and you know she's also in addition to being a musician i think that being a black trans person in mm. the public light like leaves you with little choice but to be an activist often yeah. um and um she has been like outspokenly so um about the realities of black and trans people in what is really often a really conservative culture in Brazil. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, so Brazil has, you know, like, I don't know if y'all have been following politics in Brazil, but there was this like sort of like Trump-like person, um, Bolsonaro, who was in power for a while. He was just recently um, lost an election. Um, but there was a lot of resistance to his presidency and like there was a lot of like anti-queer stuff happening um, in his administration as well. So it's, it's just like a, you know, like a scary time in Brazil yeah. um, that was sort of also like a reaction to a lot of like left organizing and political wins in Latin America a few years before and the decades before. So just like what can be a really hostile political environment but um so she's been really outspoken about it but this song um i love it's uh, mm -hmm. from like i said her first album as a solo artist it's called indigo barboleta anil and it came out last year or god i keep thinking it's still 2022 what is time <laughs> it came out in 2021 yeah yeah um it's beautiful but yeah, it's so beautiful, right? It has a little bit of... It reminds me of, like, 90s R&B a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she calls... Um, she calls her music, like, black Brazilian... Like, Brazilian black music, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and that's... Um, I think that like a conscious political choice also because that's not exactly a genre, right? But it's referring to this like indescribable fusion of elements of black Brazil, of music in, in um, black music globally and in Brazil. So I love that. I love that she um, specifically talks about her music as black and, um, and that sound as black, which is, you know, absolutely right. And I, I just love, I love that her, you know, like when she was with Oscar Caramelos, I love her music now. It's just like very, um, yeah, like it was sort of like that sweet R&B and like very, uh, there's so much soul in it, you know. Um, and, and I just really, really love, love her work and her voice is so unique and beautiful and raspy and powerful. I, mm -hmm. I just really enjoy it. Y'all should check out the video for this song, too, because it's just, like, a really beautiful visual of, like, her um, in this really sweet nightgown and bed. I don't know. It just, it feels, um, it's sweet and, I think, powerful in terms of representation of, of black trans folks as well. So, and, like, yeah. in love and, you know, things that are, are normative for yeah, other people yeah, to, the to tell stories about, you know? Really, yeah, it is really nice. It's nice to... Um, you know, like that visibility is really meaningful, right? And it, mm -hmm. it does like, like even though it is a double-edged sword, like just to see like black trans people happy, you know, um, so much of the, like like what we were saying, the images of, of that we see of 
black trans people are like in the news after a murder or something like that and just to see like just a simple story of somebody in their apartment like kissing and dancing and like being happy is so sweet and yeah and powerful yeah totally true now i feel like we have to give you a shout out because you have really been the person who has brought all of these artists that we're talking about today to the show um and like from you know years back like you follow them so um i really yeah, appreciate yeah. you keeping an eye and like and being yeah being more aware of like the up-and-coming folks and and turning us on to these these women because they're awesome yeah they're they are really dope i i love to see all these women we were talking about um we were talking about before we started recording they're all like around the same age i think mm-hmm. linda cabral is like a, among the older ones of them right um and by older we mean like 32 <laughs> yeah like they've reached their 30s the older of like these two you know like this yeah. group of women but they're like you know women that are like in their you know probably like late 20s early 30s and um and it's just, it's just very sweet, you know, that they're like all came up in a time where like that suddenly felt possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I laugh like, you know, that Linda is that older, but you know, the truth is that the life expectancy for black trans women is not very high. So it's actually like in some ways then, yeah, more of an elder in the community, mm-hmm. even at, in your thirties, which like hopefully is, you know, going to change, but is the reality. Yeah. So we want to take a minute to um, talk about our anniversary. It's seven years this month since we started Rally Manea. And so every March we do a little bit of a push for our member campaign, which is our membership program, which is really what um, supports us and covers all the costs it takes to do the show. Yeah, it really makes a huge difference in how sustainable this show is for us. And we are so, so thankful to the folks that have uh, been able to support us because it's really made it just doable for us as an independent show that doesn't bring in revenue a lot of other ways. So there's a link in the show notes to join our membership program for five, 10 or $15 a month. It's like a pay what you can. Um, you will get at the end of every episode, we include a segment just for our members. And the last two episodes, we kind of pulled back the curtain and let everybody hear those extra member segments. So you can take a look at what you're missing. Um, on this episode, we'll have two extra songs from these uh, artists that we're talking about just for our members. So that's like our thank you to you for supporting our show as you get a little bit of extra content. And then because of our birthday, we are doing a special where if you join, we're going to extend it to April 10th because we we took a little time off at the beginning of March. So if you join before April 10th, we will send you a free Perreo keychain. And that's like a $16 value. I'm going to sound like a QVC representative. $16 value. <laughs> and so you get basically three free months of a membership in exchange for, you know, basically if you think about the math, because membership is at least $5 a month. So it's a great deal, y'all. It's a great deal. And the keychain is really beautiful. Love so I uh, love the QVC <laughs> channeling that's happening today. So, uh, so yeah, please consider becoming a member. Um, yeah, we, you know, the only way we're here really is because um, y'all keep us from having to pay to make this show, which would just not be feasible for us financially. Um, so uh, we really appreciate all your support and thanks for celebrating our birthday with us. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, these next two, we've talked about more on the show than the first two. They just like, I think have had, I don't know. They've just, yeah, they've come up on the show more, um, maybe a little bit more visibility <clears throat> in their career so far. But um, this first one I want to talk about is um, Biano Antiano. And um, Vero brought this song when it came out last year, but I wanted to to spotlight it again. It's um, her session with Bisa Rap. Let's take a listen. Que si tengo flow cabrón, que si meto la presión, si tú no puedes conmigo mala mía. Que si vengo pesadita, que si ya tengo tetita, si me tires con tu gato mala mía. Que si vengo a tu motor, vengo desde el malecón, si no entiendes lo que digo mala mía. Santa Rosa vaya mon, mi niña de corazón, si no aguanta calentón mala mía. La mala varita, soy una tenista, estoy cachando puntos con su bola por el insta. Alma de poeta, la nueva Gabriela Mistral, una puta atómica, soy una terrorista. Cuando cierro un beso lo dejo de terapista. Te dije que no, cabrón, no me incita. Están en la fila, pero no están en la lista. Dale visa, explótame la pista. 
top shelf, I'm such a bombshell Todo el mundo ve que del dorado soy la shell Todo el mundo quiere un pedazo de mi pastel Perdí en el mar, soy yo pa' y patel La muñeca, la brasa, tomo del de Mattel Si no quiero contigo, no me tires a mi cel A lo yo soy villana, mucho gusto yo me apel La Jennifer, la Aniston, aquella la Rachel Una vampireza, soy una sanguinaria Carmila la de Tiria, soy inmune a tu plegaria Yo soy la principal y tú la secundaria Yo soy la principal de esta secundaria Yo soy la jefa y tú eres la secretaria No estás a nivel pa' ser mi adversaria Mira como visto que me la indumentaria Pa' mí no hay vacuna, soy como la malaria A punto de entrar en un estado de psicosis Wow, 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 no soy parte de tu fosi No coro contigo negativo, estoy fosi Yo solo te busco cuando quiero mi dosis Que si tengo flow cabrón, que si meto la presión Si tú no puedes conmigo, mala mía Que si vengo pesadita, que si ya tengo tetita Si me tiré con tu gato, mala mía So yeah, better about the so good in this. I know, I know. That's why I wanted to bring it again because she's just so good. Like, I mean, and and watch the video too, y'all, because she's got so much confidence and so much like swagger, you know, and like um, yeah, the stage presence. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. And um, you know, this is part of what has like helped her to go more viral and to to become like a much um, have a much larger audience. Um, and I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm somebody who's just like starting to understand the, the whole like Bisa Rap like phenomenon because I hadn't really been tuned into it. And then, you know, Shakira session, I think is probably one of his probably most viral ones because her platform is so big. And I don't know, I think it's, I'm, I'm, I think I'm admiring more like what he, what he's able to do and the, the way he's able to like create this environment for these artists to showcase um, their skills, their lyricism, all of it. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so Viana, she goes by Viana. Her her artist name is Viana Antiano. People call her La Viana, and they say that in this you know this track that we just listened to. Um, she's from Puerto Rico. She's from Bayamon, and Beto mentioned this when it happened that she got this kind of amazing uh, cameo at the Bad Bunny Bad Bunny's concert at um, El Coliseo in in San Juan um, during his tour. Last year, was it, Beto? Or 2021, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. So that was like a big, um, you know, it was a very prominent moment for her. Uh, kind of one of the biggest stages probably you could have in that moment being alongside Bad Bunny. So that's really cool. And did they kiss? Is that what happened too? Did I make that up? I don't know. They didn't kiss. <laughs> what did Bad Bunny? Didn't kissed. Bad Bunny kiss somebody on stage? What am I thinking of? Because I remember when we talked about this, that's what we talked about. Or like the kiss. Oh, Bad Bunny kissed one of his dancers uh, at like a Grammy performance or something Around the like same that. time that he brought Viana onto his his stage, right? Maybe. I that can't really remember. Yeah, yeah. I, I think really it was around the same time. Related. Okay. We were just talking about them in the same moment. Yeah. Got okay. it. Unrelated. Not not spreading rumors. He did not kiss LaViana. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe they kissed. I mean, would love to, would love <laughs> that would be tea. some great gossip. Um, so there's a really good... Um, interview with her in Rolling Stone that I'm going to put in the show notes so folks can check it out because I really liked some of the stuff that she said you know she talked about her transition and like um, she says I feel like I did not know myself as a musician until the point where I understood myself as a woman stepping into my femininity that process was very painful very scary a lot of knowing there is no other choice Um, which I think is you know is a powerful uh, thing to share super powerful Mm mm-hmm the other thing that I wanted to say about um, the power of somebody like Bad Bunny, like co-signing her, is that um, Bad Bunny is the person who made the connection between her and Bisa. They were, uh, I think, like at the Latin Grammys at a thing and like all the Puerto Ricans were like chilling, I guess. <laughs> and, I love um, and yeah, so like Bad Bunny and Villano were all like chilling, and that's where um, Bad Bunny made the intro to uh, wow. to Misa for La Villana, and so it's like, you know, Bad Bunny's in timeout right now, but <laughs> because he's dating gonna, a Kardashian, yeah, we're gonna give him like the ally, the ally card for this one, the good ally card for like, yeah. you know, like uh, using the power that he has to like make her platform grow. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. I did not know that, but that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, it's like those moments are like career changing, you know? Life yeah, changing. absolutely. Yeah. This was one of, you know, like the Visa sessions go viral every once in a while, like, you know, like the Chiquito one. But this is one that definitely went viral because, I mean, I think that people 
um, Bisa's sessions have, even though like the last few that have gone viral have been uh, women, are really mm. male dominated. It's like a it's like a hip hop space, right? Historically, right? You know, and it's like a freestylers, um, uh-huh. like a freestyle rap space historically, right? And now right. it's like grown into like much something much larger, and people like Chakira are on, but um, but to have it, they a lot of the of Visa's audience are people who are like really into rap, and not to profile the like really into rap audience, but like often you know, the, at least like the outward, like online community of people whose like personality is I'm into rap is not people who are necessarily checking for trans folks. And right. so it really, um, it really, it, like it went viral because people were just like, who is this person? Why are they so fucking fire? And like, who, like, why haven't we heard of this person before? And like, and you're telling me this person is trans. It's just like blew many minds mm-hmm. of many people who like hadn't been checking for her. Um, but she's just so talented and I, and I love, love to see it. Yeah. No, that's such a good point. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, another thing she talks about in the interview is her experience as a sex worker. And that it was like, you know, that she talks about it in a more positive light. Like, I think it, obviously, there's a lot of stigma. Obviously, there's also a lot of risk involved with sex work because of its criminalization, because of the street economies. Um, But I thought it was interesting that she talked about it as something that helped her, like, with her self-discovery. And that she says Mm. that that experience helped me come into contact with who I am, she says. And, um, you know, that it gave her a sense of stability and independence, you know. And so... I don't know. I think that's important for people to own up to that, having that history um, and destigmatize it because yeah, unfortunately for many people, especially trans women, it's like one of the only options for sort of like survival survival. And like, I think it should be an option and it should be, you know, legal. And like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but when it's your only option, you know, that's a really big, um, puts you at a lot of risk and has a lot to do with things like the high rates of violence against trans women of colors because of um, their work, having to, to work in street economies where there's just more violence and risk from police and everyone else. So yeah, yeah I thought that was, sure. um, that was cool. And then the last thing I want to mention for that article is which kind of connects to what we we're talking about before about just trans visibility. She says, I'm creating music knowing very well I may be killed for this, but you know what? She says, we have to be proud and stand tall. And I think that feels like very, uh, even more relevant, you know, these days, particularly in the U.S. with with what's happening um, politically, that, mm-hmm. you know, at some point, visibility, you know, living your life is like the only option. Like you just have to, yeah, you have to live yeah. your life and like there's risks involved, but also without those risks, there's definitely not going to be um, any change for people, you know, like people staying, I mean, people should do what they need to do to, to, to take care of themselves, but like on a kind of societal level like if people don't stand up and and become visible and take those risks like nothing shifts you know so yeah yeah you know it's interesting because for a lot of people like I mean what I've heard from you know my trans friends is that like transitioning like is about life or death it's like I was gonna Mm. die if I didn't do this so like you know this is less of a risk than you know like and and I was looking at um, I saw something online that said that every trans suicide is a murder. And I was like, yeah, that feels right to me. You know what I mean? Because it's like s- s- trans young people have such a high risk of, um, of suicide and such high rate of suicide because of like, you know, all this societal oppression that, uh, that makes it so hard for folks to transition. Um, so I was like, Oh God, yes, that's right. So in some ways it's like, yeah, like I, I might be killed for this, but like not transitioning also yeah. feels like I might also die. You know? Right. That's not a life either. Yeah. 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 That's so real. So Biana's latest album came out just in December of this last year. Vero brought what I think is one of the more popular tracks from it. Um, Kaleidoscopia as one of her, your favorite songs from 2022. 20, uh, so clearly it made a big impact, even though it came out right under the wire of the year. Yeah, yeah. I really, really loved it. I think that she's so good. She's so good. Um, I also love like th- the sort of sci-fi theme in the visuals of that album. I um, 
I think that a lot of a lot of I feel like a lot of queer people find themselves a bit in sci-fi or have historically because of like I don't know science fiction is just about like imagining a different world and that's a lot of what queer people have done historically so I I appreciated that that like little nod it feels like particularly queer to me Mm -hmm. for sure all right what is next for us yeah we've got one more artist this is the one I think we've talked about the most on our show so far. I think so, just because I'm personally obsessed with her. <laughs> You're a stan. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, this is a song. I tried to bring a song that we had not brought before. So um, I am bringing from her uh, Kick One album, the song Macho Bit. Let's take a listen. This song is a fun one because it's a cover of this song that was like sort of like popular in Venezuela in the early aughts, Quiero Una Chica by Latin Dreams. And this is sort of like a cover slash gender reversed rework of Quiero Una Chica. You remember Uh that song? I think so. Uh Unless something yeah, yeah. that sounds like that, that has Kiruna no, Chikake. I'm sure it's It's like a very similar melody. I don't know if this uh-huh. melody seemed familiar to you. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that this was like a fun sort of like weird R&B version of that rework and like a very like Arca style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but as uh, you know, for most of you all who have been listening for a while, you'll know that Arca is a Venezuelan artist. She's currently based in Barcelona. Oh. Um, but we've talked about her many times on the show because I've been following her career for like 10 years um, and, you know, like I've written about her multiple times. She's a producer. She's a maker of experimental electronic tracks. And, you know, more recent years has experimented with more pop adjacent efforts. She uh-huh. started using her voice for the first time um, in her self-titled album in 2015. Before that, it was mostly like purely electronic works, oh, often like extremely experimental and um not super accessible for your average listener. But in 2015, during in that album, uh, she took a lot of inspiration from tonadas that are... And so tonada is a Venezuelan work song from like the agricultural plains region. So it's like basically like Venezuela's cowboy tradition. Mm-hmm. But um, what I think is so interesting, this is so... Arca has transitioned in the public eye, right? In this 2015 album, when she starts using her voice... At the behest of like Bjork, who's her mentor, um, <laughs> cool. she, um, you know, she, she takes inspiration from Tonas. And Venezuela has like a really, really extensive musical traditions, you know, like all mm-hmm. over the place. But Tonas are songs that are sang traditionally by men in these really beautiful falsettos. So, like these very high tones. And, um, yeah, so it's interesting to me that before she transitioned publicly, I don't know what she knew about herself at that time. Maybe she didn't know this or wasn't quite at peace with it about herself, but 
um, the album was so much about queerness. Um, and I don't know. I just feel like there's probably somebody's already done a whole thesis about the ways that trans women use and also electronically alter their singing voices as gender play um, and as like, you know, a way of getting to gender affirmation. And right. um, and I just like wonder how much I, if I was talking to her, I would um, be so curious about that choice because yeah. Venezuela has so much music and so much um, to choose from and to like choose tonadas, which are these like songs that are sung by often by men um with these like you know like really um sort of you know honestly like feminine like falsettos mm-hmm. like these very high voices mm-hmm. I wonder like what what if there's something there you know like it's hard for me to feel like there isn't I think that I and I see a similar thing with like a lot of trans women that make electronic music who will like pitch their voices up like to almost like you know, like cartoonish registers as, as a sort of like, yeah, like a gender play thing, right. um, which right. I think is so interesting. That is interesting. It makes me think of also like the tradition of, I think it's an older tradition now, but, um, and I'm not sure where this is heading, but we'll see um, if this can make sense. But like castration among like boys in like mm. singing environments, right? Yes. That was like a Catholic church situation, right? Right. right to keep their voices high and to keep them from the Catholic trans- church is a wild. Mm. I know. I know. <laughs> but to yeah. Keep, yeah. To keep them from to keep basically trans. High. I mean, it's, just, it's almost a transition, right? It's to keep them from, from um, hitting puberty and having their voices go lower. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, There's something right. there to me that feels related. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, but that's a really interesting. interesting point. Yeah. About, about technology, right. And the ways in which it allows people to manipulate the, the sound of their voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a pattern that I've noticed. Um, she, I almost chose a song that she did with the late great Sophie, who is just this incredible electronic artist experimentalist who passed away really like tragically and suddenly like she oh, like, wow. fell and like hit her head like she fell she was like looking at the moon she was like climbing on the roof to look Jesus. at the full moon and like fell and like hit her head which is like what the hell so tragic and fucked up and like bizarre and also i'm like of course she was climbing up to look at the moon like that <laughs> sounds like sophie <laughs> yeah it's you a very know? dramatic like witchy way to die you know? Yeah, yeah, but so she has a song that she did with Sophie, and Sophie is another person who like you know like alters her voice in that in mm-hmm. in that sort of a way. But I almost chose that song, but I I went with this one because I also really love that this song is like one of the things that I really love about Arca is that once she started using her voice, she like so much of what she um puts out in terms of her art is this like super unapologetic queerness. And um, I think that one of the things that is often so um, triggering to to people who are transphobic and homophobic are tra- is transgressing like masculinity or transgressing norma- normative masculinity. Yeah. Um, it's such a trigger for um, for homophobes and for transphobes. Yeah. And uh, she's just like really, really leaned into that. And this song, she's just talking about how like quiero un machote, and it's just like I just, I just fucking love it. I just fucking love that she's just like fully out and sexual, and mm. not, um, not only like not trying to hide, but like also like being really extra about it, which I fucking love. What's a machote? Un macho is like a male, mm-hmm. so like un machote is like a big. Oh, machote with a T. Machote. Sorry. I heard machope with a P. And I was like, what the hell is that? Okay. Machote. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I love that for her. Okay. Folks, make sure you go and look at the the video link. It's just an image, but it's this amazing. I had never seen this before, but apparently this is something that she wears on stage sometimes. It's this amazing, (laughs) like futuristic, um, uh, like almost like stilts kind of thing. It's just, it's, yeah, it's yeah, hard to like describe, stilts. but it's like a futuristic centaur trans look. And it, I mean, this woman's brain, like, I just like, what is going on in there? Like the things that come, like the ideas that I come know, out. The levels of creativity I mean, are it's out of wild. this world. But yeah, like, and it, yeah. And then like you were saying, it has like Wolverine, like fang, like finger. I don't know. It's, you just have to go look at it. It's incredible. <laughs> 
incredible. Yeah, it's the cover of this album. It's okay, the cover okay. you don't have to go to the video for this then. album. So you can like just like look at the cover album of Kick Kick One. There's the, she eventually did five of these albums. It's a series of five. Wow. Wow. And um, this is the first one. It came out in 2020. What an incredible creative person. I, I mean, know. again, I really, yeah. I maintain, I think she's one of the foremost experimentalists of our time. I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong. And like, I don't, you know, I can't connect to her music in terms of like what I like to listen to, but I, there's so much to admire about, about her and her work and what she's doing in the world. So yeah, I appreciate yeah, you being her, you're her number one stand. <laughs> on this you feel me? That's yeah, great. It's great. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I want to do a brief shout out to Maria, who is an OG listener who came up to me at the Senia uh, Ruinos and Combo Chimbita show last week. That was so sweet. Thank you so much for listening. You're the cutest. You're the best. If y'all ever see me on these streets, uh-huh. like, please come say hi. It makes me happy. Same, same. Always happy to meet y'all. As always, all the stuff that we've talked about on this show, all the songs in our show notes at radhiamanea.com. Um, you know, a last plug for really consider becoming a member. It's really not, if you can afford it, it's really a little little drop in the bucket that really makes a big difference for us. And the link to do that is also in the show notes. Yeah, and sign up for our newsletter if you want us in your inboxes with fun stuff to read and what we're into and of course follow us on social media we're on twitter we're on instagram check it out shout out to maite for your editing help and we will see y'all next week hasta la próxima y'all bye amor 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 no confío en cualquier um pues cualquier um es falador amor 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 yo a mí no fui amada Hoje eu sei o meu valor